like I need to, I feel like I have a word for the church. Just a quick word. This isn't the sermon. This isn't, this is just what I, I heard and felt. And I saw us um, trying to get into a door. And like I, I literally saw us for years trying to get through this door. And like we would knock on it and we would bring a battering ram and try to hit the door down. And we would bring dynamite and we would do all these things to try to get through this door because we knew we knew we needed what was on the other side. We knew we needed to be there. And I just saw this as a like a picture in my head. And it's like it was a fast forward in time. I saw my life. I saw faces in this room and we were trying to get into this door. And like we knew like our heart was right and we were trying to do it, but we just couldn't ever get in. And then all of a sudden, we just put the key in the door, and we turned it, and it opened. And we're like, whoa, that was so easy. It was so easy. Why, why have we been making this so hard? And I feel, and this is a scary statement for me to make because I'm a church boy. I'm generations of church boy. But I feel that we have complicated and convoluted the gospel of Jesus so much that we've made it so difficult for people to enter in that it's going to be so easy for people and for us to enter into the kingdom that we're going to look and say there's no way it's this easy it can't be this easy but jesus says i'm the door and if you come through the door then you have access to the whole kingdom right if you try to come in any other way i'm a thief or a robber and so i saw i saw kyle say to me i can't believe it's this easy i can't I can't believe it's this easy for people to know God. And all those restrictions and biases about how it looks to be a follower of Christ. <laughs> I'm come on, I'm telling you, they're all just they're going to we're going to be like it's not that difficult for people to follow Jesus. All these things and Jesus even said it over the Pharisees. He says you go over land and you go overseas just to make one convert. And they're like, yeah, we do. We work hard. And then he followed up with this statement. And you make them twice the devil that you are. <laughs> and I feel for fire life that we're in a season. I've, I feel for the last eight or ten years that Mandy and I, the, the people at the bridge, we've talked about a lot of these issues that God's been breaking down our mindsets of what we think truth is and what it means to be a follower of Christ and what that looks like. And he's been reducing it down to what it really is about and, and telling us it's really easier than we think it is. And he's been breaking down our, our prejudices. And I'm not talking about against race and color because that's not, that's not something that we believe is an issue. Come on. I'm talking about prejudices in the way we worship. I'm talking about prejudices in what people do or don't do in their, in their entertainment time. I'm talking about, you, you name it. See, Jesus will have a holy church. How many believe that's true? Like, the church is going to be holy. But he's the one that's going to make it holy, not us. And I just, re I saw this as a, as a movie. And I saw us begin to laugh. I didn't know it was this easy. It can't be this easy. Come on, it's got to be more difficult than this. I've got to do more. I've got to fight for this. This has to be a fight. It has to be a struggle. And, and he's saying, nope, it doesn't have to be. If you put the key in, and the key is submission, the key is surrender, 
That's it. So I surrender, God. Paul, Paul says, I can do anything, but because I surrender, I choose what I do or don't do. But he also told them, don't tell them they have to be circumcised because you're circumcised. Spare them the pain. And then he told them this, whether you choose to be circumcised or whether you choose not to be circumcised, it really has zero value. (laughs) Hello? We're entering into this season, fire life, where I'm going to use what he used, the term circumcision, but it's going to be, I'm not even naming stuff. It's going to be prejudices that we have had that have kept people from entering into the kingdom and have kept us. He even says, not only do you kick the door shut in people's faces, he says, you yourself won't enter in. So when we're, we built up this whole facade, this whole thing, and none of it was real, and we tried so hard to get into the door, and he says, surrender is the key. You put it in the door, turn it. It opens to unlimited possibilities in the kingdom, and it's going to be easy. How many of you receive that? I want to pray that over our house, that we figure out what that looks like. I'm going to ask also that we pray for God to give us grace as we discover what's, what this looks like. Hello? I want to give an example. I just feel like I need to. We're driving down the car, and there's a band that we like called Lady Antebellum. It's a country band. It is not a Christian band. We like the band. I'm telling you right now, we like their music. But there is a girl. What's her name? Her name is Hillary Scott. And she and her family came out with a gospel album because their family are Christians. And it's beautiful. And they're singing hymns and gospel songs. And we're in the car. And someone said, she, she's not a Christian. She sings in a country band. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a second. Let's think about that for a second. Well, because well, they talk about drinking and drunk, getting drunk in the past and all this stupid stuff. I'm like, yeah, they sing about stupid things that are inferior. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. And that sounds really weird. I get this one all the time. Dad, will Mormons go to heaven? I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> and this is what I tell them. What does the Bible say you must do to be saved? The Bible, our Bible, not their Bible. The Bible. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the, then what happens? You are saved. A lot of Mormons really believe that. They get a lot of other stuff really wrong. I don't believe in the spaceships and all the crazy stuff that they go to. All the stuff, they they take it way beyond what's biblically sound, right? Let's be honest. But if they really believe that Jesus is their Lord and love, love him and believe that God raised him from the dead, then I can't disqualify them from being with their dad just because they get weird in some of their beliefs. I'm not going to go there and be weird with them and take a chance of missing out on dad. Let's make this clear. 
but I'm not going to choose to disqualify people because they're very different than I am. Whether they're wrong or not doesn't matter. It's not my call. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Let God sort that stuff out. We're going to adhere to the, to the Bible. We're going to preach the word. We're going to believe the word. We're going to live by the word. We're not going to be drawn off sides or into other things. But in how we allow other people to have access to this, this guy, Jesus, it's not our job to open or shut the door in their face. Is this making any sense? So when we change our mindset on, on some of this stuff, we're going to be like, oh, it's so easy to serve God. And we're going to learn how valuable it is when we obey him. Are you all okay? We will learn the value of choosing well. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, faith without faith. I'm going to say without faith. It is impossible to please God. Because those who believe must believe that he is or he exists. But we also must believe that he is the re- I want to say rewarder of those who seek him. There is a reward to seeking the Lord and choosing him. How many believe that to be true? There's a reward to it. God loves to reward us when we choose well. So, Father, I ask that you would teach us this. I ask that you would weigh it in your scales. And if I'm off, show me, tell me. I'm asking you to reveal the simplicity of your kingdom. The simplicity of accessing your kingdom. And opening the doors for other people, for more people to come into this experience with you. Instead of being those that shut the door in people's faces. Father, I ask that in all of this, that we are rooted and established on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we're rooted and established in a life of surrender. See, this doesn't work. I'm going to say this. This doesn't work without surrender. We get weird without surrender. We get into weird doctrines and all these things that we're like, well, that's why we don't think they'll make it to heaven. If they surrender, they will, they will be okay. We just need to worry about our surrender. I want to say this too. I was reading in uh, Proverbs this last week. And it says, uh, do not remove a boundary stone of a previous generation. And, and the translation I was reading said something like, because, if, because you may not know the purpose that they put it there, why they put it there. And I have been guilty in my life in the past of thinking, well, that's old-time religion. I don't need that. Or it doesn't take all that. I want us to be careful as we go forward 
to not remove the boundary stones that our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and mothers laid before us. But I actually want to go back and figure out why did they do that? And then the reason why needs to become something that's valuable to me. It's not the tradition that's important. It's the reason that's important. It's the why. Is this making any sense? <clears throat> Maybe four months ago, uh, I was over here, and the Lord dropped this word to me, and he said, um, how did he word it? We release or we let go of old ways that are not ancient ways. We release and we let go of old ways or habits or things that are not ancient things. I was like, Lord, what does that really mean? He's like, well, some of the things that we hold on to are old, but they're not ancient. I mean, he knows that one of God's names is the ancient of days. And there's an ancient wisdom that he has that he wants us to tap into. And some of our old ways are built on faulty things. We need to rediscover ancient things and hold dear to those things. What, the, what did the first church think was valuable? We need to rediscover those things. Amen? I might as well just finish this thought. In 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I don't remember which one it is, but Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, and basically they were idolaters. They had just came out of worshiping in the temples, and there was all kinds of evil, uh, sinful things that were part of their worship to their gods. But they believed that Jesus Christ was the Lord. And they believed that God raised him from the dead. So they became Christians, we would call them. But they were still practicing their weird things. <laughs> I mean, they'd come to the temple and they'd have, it was ridiculous. Like, honestly, evil stuff. You're like, you can't, you can't do that. So the, the church was like, hey, wait, 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 wait. They're calling themselves Christians and they're still doing these things. And we're Christians and they're giving us a bad name. So Paul, would you come straighten them out? Tell them to knock all this stuff off. So Paul comes to him and says, man, I am so proud of your faith that you have believed that Jesus Christ is the Lord and you believe that he's the son of God. I'm so proud of you. But let me, can I just give you four rules? Only four. Don't eat anything that's been strangled with blood. Don't have sex with another man's wife. Don't, there's four things. I can't think of them right now. He just gives them four really simple things. Just stop these four things. He didn't give them this whole weighty list of things for them to figure out. He said, here, just these four things will straighten all this up. And then as you grow, you'll figure the rest out. Pretty amazing. And what weird things for him to, to, to name. But there was a, there's a reason for all of it specifically. But I want us to be more like that. All right, Lord. Let's break things down to the, the lowest common denominator, the most important thing, and that's surrender. So, Father, one more time, I pray. I ask that you would teach us to surrender. Are y'all okay if I finish and just add five more minutes to this? I mean, we're going to be done early, so hey. You're like, yeah, five minutes and we're done by before 12? Yeah, sounds good to me.
So in Joshua, he says to them, choose this day whom you will serve. I mean, like, you probably have that verse up in your house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, right? We've got that scripture up. Like, that's our, we champion that, right? And he said something in there interesting. He says, if serving the Lord does not seem desirable to you, then don't serve him. But choose this day whom you will serve. And this is what I want to I just close out with this thought for us along the same lines. Everything is about a choice. Everything in life is about choice. Everyone say choice. Choice. I'm going to come down here now. Thank you. Choice. Everyone say choice again. It's all about choice. All of it. Well, I just didn't have time to do that. We, we do what we want to do. Always. I didn't, my, my big, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like doing that. Well, I didn't ask you if you felt like it. My dad used to say that to me. I don't, hey, Jared, go do the lawn. I don't feel like it. I didn't ask you if you feel like it. Go do the lawn. Just do it or don't do it, right? Life is completely all about choices. Because God is the rewarder. If we don't realize that choice is the root of life, then we miss out on God being the rewarder. And God wants us to see how powerful our choices are. When you choose to do something that's pleasing to the Lord, there's a reward that comes with that. Have you ever made a really good choice to serve the Lord? You did something well. You knew it was the right thing to do. You did it and it felt good. And then there was a reward that came with it. Like, man, God, thank you. He loves to reward us. And then I also love that God lets me, if I want to be stupid, he lets me be stupid. Go ahead. You can be dumb and make it. That's a really bad. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Well, I want to do it. Okay, you want to, then you can do it. And then guess what? Oh, man, that didn't work out so well. And we've had one of those before. Oh, man, that, that blew up. That escalated quickly. <laughs> it did not go well. That's okay. Now, you guess what? You get to learn. You get to learn how to clean up your powerful mess. Why? Why? He wants us to know that our choices are powerful. Our choices are powerful. See, we have to build on that foundation to be a, a, really, a real follower of Christ because if our choices are aren't powerful, or if we live as if our choices aren't powerful, then when I say I'm going to serve the Lord, then it has no power. But if I say I'm going to choose to serve the Lord, then there is a supernatural authority that comes with that decision. Do you know that? Our life should look like something because we made a decision to follow this man, Jesus. Because our choices are powerful. Everyone say my choices are powerful. If I don't get to feel the weight of my choices, then when I make a, a <laughs> how many have ever made an oath before? God, I promise I'm going to do this. And what did he say? Hey, don't make oaths. Let your yes be and your no be. Why? Because we're powerful. And if we disconnect ourselves from the truth that we're powerful, and when we make decisions that it's because we're powerful, then we make ourselves a victim and we make ourselves irresponsible of the consequences. 
And it makes it really easy for us to point fingers, well, it's their fault, and it's his fault, and it's her fault, and it's my parents' fault, and it's this. No, 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 no. Look, it's my decision to either be angry or not angry. It's my decision to be bitter or not bitter. But they did this to me. You're right. And I have the powerful ability to choose to let go of their throat or not. I do. But guess what? Our culture has made victimhood a profession. You want to get paid in this culture? Be a victim. I'm telling the truth. Be a victim. I'm powerless and people took advantage of me, so you owe me money. Right. That's this culture. Well, I was really dumb, and I know the coffee's hot, but I put it in my lap at McDonald's anyway, and it burned me, so I'm going to sue McDonald's and win because I'm a victim of their hot coffee. True story. There's hundreds and thousands of them on the Internet. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm powerless. My decisions don't matter. I don't matter. It's a terrible way to live, and it's not the truth. And unless we reconnect ourselves with, when I say yes to something, it's powerful. When I say no to something, it's powerful. Come on, let's get to this just for a second. How many of us are really good at keeping our word? I'll be there at 11 o'clock. Oh, sorry, Matt. (laughs) I'll only preach for five more minutes. (laughs) There you go. Oh, me. That's me. I think I got two to hurry up. Keep my word. Why are we not good at keeping our word? Because we don't realize how powerful we are. So if we don't get the reward for good choices, and if we don't have to clean up our messes for the bad ones, then we get to stay in this weird realm of being a victim and powerless. And that's not how God wanted us to live. He wanted us to be powerful. I mean, David made messes. You realize, let's stop for a second. What would you do if the leader of our nation desired another man's wife so much that he put him on the front lines of war, told everyone else the retreat signal, except for that guy, and he thought the signal was to charge, and everyone else knew it meant retreat. So when they blew the trumpet, he charges into battle, and everyone else retreats, has him killed, and then goes and takes his wife who is pregnant, and that guy is the, the guy God chose to lead our country. Come on. But David was that man. And he cleaned up his messes. He learned well how to clean up his messes. Why? Because he felt the consequences of his decisions. Do you know what happened to that that child that he had with Bathsheba? The baby was born and died. The first one. The lesson, David fasted and prayed and mourned for days, crying out to God, please let this baby live. God let the baby die. 
David gets up, cleans himself off, takes a shower, gets some food. And and they're like, hey, why were you so upset before? And you weren't eating and you were mourning. He's like, I thought maybe God would have mercy on this child for the child's sake. But now that he's passed away, I trust the Lord. And I'm going to eat because God, God is faithful. God is good. This is really what he was saying. He goes and he is with Bathsheba again. And they have Solomon, the wisest man ever live. Clean up his mess. Like, well, I don't know if that's really cleaning up his mess. He learned his lesson because he felt the consequences of his decision. Hello? Samson felt the consequences of his decision of over and over and over again laying down in the lap of Delilah. And every time she tried to trick him and, and take away his strength, he didn't learn his lesson. Until the last time, he tells his secret. She cuts his hair. He wakes up as, as before. Thinks he's fine, everything's okay. Gets up and he tries to shake himself for war and to fight, and all his power was gone. And they apprehended him and made him a slave, cut his eyes out, and made him walk around like an ox, pushing the, I don't know what it's called, sorry, but around in a circle, threshing the wheat. They used him as an animal, but his hair grew back. And his strength grew back. And his relationship with God grew back to where he asked just one more time, just tie me up to the post. And I just want one more time, God, for your presence to come upon me. And you know the story. Maybe you remember it. He's standing there on the two pillars. And all the Philistines are gathered up under this temple. And what does he do? He presses against the walls until it all caves in and kills more in that moment than he had before. In his death. Like, that's a really gruesome, horrible story. It is. It's terrible. But it tells us that we learn from pain. We learn from the consequences of our bad decisions. Now, I think it's really important for us to go back over the next week or two, and I say these things every week, and I don't know if we even remember to do them or not. So I'm saying it again. God, are there decisions that I made that are bad that I've never gone back and cleaned up? Like, well, I don't know how to clean it up. Look, if you, if you hurt somebody, <laughs> humility is a place to start. Hey, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. I made a mess. My decision affected you. See, this is what we have to remember, too. Our decisions affect other people. Sometimes we drag other people through our mess. It's really important we go back and make those things right. Guess what happens when we do that? We realize we're powerful. And I'm powerful. I'm powerful. I made a horrible mess. But I learned a lesson. I cleaned that mess up. And now what happens next time I have a choice to decide one way or the other, I'm going to take that choice a little bit more seriously. Hello? Listen to this. I'm going to choose more wisely next time because I know if I choose poorly, there are consequences that are powerful. So I'm going to make sure, oh man, I got to choose right. We bought a house a few years back. I don't know, it's been a long time now. I hate that we bought that house. It's a horrible mistake. 
Horrible mistake. How many have ever had anything about a car, house, something? A big decision. I learned a lot of hard lessons about that house. I will never again buy something that's not what I really, really want. Not that important. (laughs) I will not just rush in. Mandy wants some land. I'm going to wait and wait and wait, and we're going to get the house we want with the land that we want away from people. Sorry. (laughs) I don't care if it's a one-bedroom cabin. Just give me some acres. (laughs) But my decision was powerful, and it turned out really poorly. So next time, I'm going to be a little bit more wise and inquire of the Lord a little bit more often. Amen? God wants us to know we're powerful. I want to close with this thought, okay? Being a disciple or a follower of Christ means that we made the best decision ever. When you think about this for a second, you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to make choices. I don't want to decide. You're really good at deciding. You're good at making a choice because you chose to say yes to God. The most important decision in life, you've already 100% passed the test. You can do this. You chose well. I hate shopping with my wife. And she hates shopping. She'll tell you, she hates it. She absolutely hates it. She could go into a store, literally, for one thing. Like, we know what it is. It's not this thing we have to discover at the store. We go in knowing we need this one thing. I need a new pair of black pants. Well, how hard can black pants be? (laughs) We go in the store. We could be there for hours. And we don't even come home with any pants. I'm like, just shop on Amazon. We don't shop anymore. This is from when we first got married. Because we don't do it anymore. She doesn't even like to do it. She doesn't want to make me suffer with her. She just can't make up her mind. There's too many decisions. You think, well, black pants, like for guys. I, I was like, I want a pair of like Under Armour, like sweat fleece pants. Man, really easy. Under Armour fleece pants, black, boom. There's one kind. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you can get a different color U or their Under Armour logo, maybe, whatever. But, man, it's just pretty easy choice, right? Mandy goes in a store for black pants, and there's so many choices. She's like, I don't know. I don't know which one I want. And so every time we talk about this, it makes me feel even better. Why? Because she chose me. And if she's that picky about black pants, (laughs) what's the point? All the options in the world that we could choose, of all the things you could do with your life, all the places you could be today, you said, you know what? This matters to me. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And you know how God probably feels because you said yes to him? Like we, we often talk about how we feel because God said yes to us. Oh, the love of God that he has for us is so cool, so great. But you know what? God feels the same way that we said yes to him. Oh, they had so many choices. Hey, Dad, they had so many choices out there. Look, they chose us. 
They said yes to us. It means it's really powerful. And I think that we need to reconnect with the power of our choice to say yes to him. It should shift us into a new place of pride in a, in a positive way. We're sons and daughters. We chose him. We chose well. Are you okay? So, Father, we just ask that you would help us to know how to choose well, to be wise in deciding. All right, would you stand? I want to ask you a question. What is your process for making decisions? When you think about it for a second, how do you decide big things? How do you decide what car to buy? How do you decide where to work? How do you decide? What's your process? I want you to think it through. Well, whoever gives me the most money and makes me work the least. <laughs> that's probably an easy way to make a, a, a job choice, right? But how many knows that's not the best way to make a job choice? It's not always right. So how do we know? Well, in the, in the Bible days, they would go before the Lord and they would consult the ephod, they would put this ephod on and it would have these different stones and the stones would change colors and they would ask God questions and he would, the, the, the stones on the ephod would change colors and give them indications on what they should do in the decision. They would consult the Lord. They would, they would inquire him and ask him and he would give them an answer and they would do what he told them. And if they did what he said, things would go well for them. If they didn't, then things would not go well for them. So I want to ask you as you as we continue to mature and walk through this life to begin to inquire of the Lord more often and make him not just part of the process, make him the first step of the process. Well, what do you think, God? I bet if some of us say, hey, God, what do you think about this? He'd fall over. What? You're, ask you're asking me what I think? You want to know my opinion? How many want to be better choosers? Like I said, you already made a great start. You made the best choice ever. So now from this day forward, we're going to choose to do well. Choose wisely. Hmm. Why don't you pray for your neighbor? God, help us to be good choosers. Good decision makers. To stop making excuses and make right choices and just do it. Come on. If you're here in this week, you need to clean up some messes. Go do it. How many make a commitment? I'll, I'll clean up messes that the Lord shows me. Yeah? Come on, this is, this is serious. I made a mess. I need to clean that up.